Hello there, I'm Dee Reddy and welcome to Inside Intercom. On this week's show, we're chatting to Kyum Kim of Blind, the anonymous social platform for verified professionals. Anonymity online can be a touchy subject nowadays, with the default assumption often being that it breeds negativity or misinformation. But there's one company who believes that's not always the case. As Kyum tells us, more often than not on Blind, the veil of anonymity actually allows users the opportunity to be transparent and empathic with their peers. My chat with him covers a lot about the power of anonymity, how leadership teams can get an unfiltered view of their company culture, and how their move to the US was inspired by a popular television show. It's a really interesting chat, so let's head over to the studio and hear from Kim. Kim, we're delighted to welcome you as a guest on Inside Intercom today. I know we chatted to you before as part of our home series, but we didn't really have the opportunity that time to hear about your background. So maybe you could start us off by sharing, you know, how you came to your current role as co-founder and head of US operations for Blind. Hi, Dee. I'm delighted to be on Inside Intercom as well. And to give you a little background about myself, I am an entrepreneur from Korea. And I spent most of my life back in South Korea, especially in Seoul. But I did my, get some elementary school and middle school education in the States uh, near Washington, D.C. And that's why I have this American accent, minus all the vocabulary that is necessary. Mm. And I started my career while I was in college back in South Korea when my friend started an e-commerce startup called Timon. And this one day he called me and he said he started a company. He wanted me to check it out. So I went there and he asked me if I could join as a sales rep. I had no idea what sales was. I had no work experience, but I thought it was a fun idea, interesting idea. So the next thing I did was I called my mom and I asked her if it would be okay to join this no-name company that my friend started. And... (laughs) She said, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to go bankrupt in a year, but it would be a fun experience for you. So just do it. So that's how I got into the world of entrepreneurship, because when I first joined the company, it was about 10 people. And in a year, it became 300. And in two years, it became 1,000. So experiencing such a hyper growth company gave a lot to me. I learned so much. I had so much fun experiencing anything from sales sales management, operations, customer service. Um, And I also met the founders of Blind there. And I also realized why the world needs Blind to solve the problem of communication within the workplace. And I can talk more about why I felt like there was a need to start Blind um, from here. Yeah, I mean, that almost takes me to my next question. I just wanted to say, though, I do love that you checked in with your mom before taking up the role. I do that as well. Uh, <laughs> check in with the parents and get their advice. So I'm glad she steered you in the right direction just to go for it. Yeah, she was all, always open to kind of this new experiences. And I really appreciate that. I, I'll probably do that to my newborn that's coming in February as well. But Anyways, so that's a really interesting backstory. So having established yourselves then in Korea, at what point did you then decide to make the move to the US? Did you feel that it was just integral to being at the heart of the tech industry? So once we got some traction in Korea, we were pretty confident that people around the world would have the same problem. And there was a point where 
we were looking into global markets and trying to understand the culture there. And one of the resources that we used was the TV show, The Office. No way. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think we, we thought there was a reason it was reproduced twice in the UK and the United States. And when you look at the character there, Michael Scott, he's very similar to a typical boss in Korea. He has a terrible sense of humor. Um, he has people talking behind his back. He lacks empathy. So we thought, oh, if those kind of people exist in the United States as well, we have a chance to take off as well. So that, that was actually one of the reasons that gave us confidence to go global. That's fascinating. So it was basically like, oh, offices are the same everywhere. So this is ultimately a relatable idea. Did you, did you watch the UK version at all? Oh, yeah, I, I watched some episodes of it and I, I just found it to be hilarious because I think Office is one of the few TV shows that everyone around the world can relate to if you have ever had a job. And I, I, th I think there's a principle to it. So when you meet bosses that um, either have too much empathy or too little empathy, I think you just have people talking behind their back next to water coolers about them. And that, that never gets brought up to the public or it, 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 it's not visible to you unless you are in those conversations. And essentially what we do is bring out those discussions and let people see it because those things need to be heard to fix the problems in, in those companies. So, yeah, it, it was really interesting to see those um, TV shows that were produced abroad from my standpoint when I was in Korea that really resonates with the people who are in the Korean culture as well. Well, I have to say that is the first time The Office has ever been referenced as a reason for a company moving to the States. And frankly, I love it. Um, <laughs> and obviously it, it kind of, it makes sense of you guys in terms of being sort of like the online version of the water cooler. Yeah, we get reference to the water cooler a lot. So I personally, we, we had a water cooler in my first job. I don't think many offices have that anymore, but yeah, it's one of the references that we heard a lot. Let's talk a bit about Blind then, Kim. It, it builds itself as a trusted community where verified professionals connect to discuss what matters most. So firstly, let's talk about what Blind actually does and what you offer as a platform. And then let's talk a bit about how the idea for it first came about after you'd met these colleagues of yours. Sure. The Blind is a platform that gives you the freedom to talk about your work honestly. And there is a contrast between what you say in offline meetings or in your Zoom meetings right now to your colleagues or your boss or in the workplace with the, the content you talk about online. Because at work, when a company asks you, are you satisfied at your work? You can't really be honest. And when your coworker asks you about your salary or your work satisfaction, there's always an agenda or um, political aspects that are associated with your conversations with your coworker. So I've realized that there's always a need for a platform that facilitates these honest discussions, and that's what we are. And everyone needs a work email to sign up and participate in discussions. And once you sign up, you get access to two different channels. One's a company channel that where you can talk privately with your coworkers, and another is a public channel where you can communicate with people in other companies. So that's what Blind is. And we have two stories that are combined here. Uh, one is a story about, about my CEO, and his name is Moon, M-O-O-N. 
and he used to work at a company called Naver. And he was a big fan of this anonymous form within the company that was provided by the company. And Korean people are notorious for having rigorous form cultures. And that has kind of transferred into the company as well because someone in HR had a crazy idea to have an anonymous channel within a company. But he realized two things there. One is that the forums were hierarchy free. So people, obviously because it was anonymous, people didn't know who this person was, what the rank of this person was, or whether there was manager or individual contributor. And that just changed a lot of dynamics for the discussion. So there were things that are said that wouldn't have been said in meetings or other settings within the workplace. And another really interesting aspect was that people were agenda free. So there was no reason to protect your agenda or your team or be political about your work in these anonymous forms. So what that did was it helped people actually be more helpful and trustworthy to each other. So he was really fascinated with the culture that was formed there. And I met him when I was working at that first company started by my friend. And when we were working there, seeing this hyper growth, we saw the culture of hesitation kind of building up. Okay. And that was really interesting because when it was only 10 people, I could just go up to the CEO or anyone and talk about whatever I think. So if there was a problem within a company, I could go, just go up to him and say there was a problem and think about the solution. So everyone was just solution focused. But when the company got bigger, I realized that employees started to fear repercussions or retaliation from their management. And the bigger piece here was actually fearing the judgment from their peers. So when we think about hierarchies within companies, we think about employees fearing their bosses. But when I look at the blind community, what, what I see over and over again is people not being sure of what workers will think about them when they are honest about what they think. So a few years ago, there was a really interesting article on New York Times about Amazon culture. and. What was really interesting to me was that there were pieces of information there about Amazon culture that people were crying on their desk, which became a meme within the blind community. And there was also a lot of examples of how Amazon employees are very, very stressed out at work. And what was fascinating to me was that on platforms like LinkedIn or Facebook or Medium, these places where you have your identity attached, People were saying, I work at Amazon. I don't see this happening within this company. I think the article is over-exaggerated. Meanwhile, on Blind, there was a poll about the specific article, which was called Inside Amazon. And um, people, actually more than 50% of the people were answering that the examples in the article are likely probable to happen at Amazon. And there were comments saying, um, oh, I've seen people cry on their desks. Wow. So I think that shows really the contrast between what can happen in a workplace setting where you have your identity attached versus an mm. anonymous setting where you don't have your identity attached. Well, it strikes me in how you're describing it there, Kyum, that, you know, it's almost a kind of a trick of timing to a certain extent. Like when you're in a startup, 
and you know, as your mom said, it it might not last the year. So it's too early for you to be personally invested on, on a career level. And then the only other time, I guess, when you're going to be really truthful and honest is when you're so jaded that you're already on your way out the door, that you don't care anymore. And you're like, oh, I'm going to tell you what I think. But what blind offers then people is in that middle ground when they are personally and professionally invested in the company, an opportunity to actually speak their mind. When we make decisions on in, within the blind team, we have two pillars of decision making. One is um, how do we increase the communication within the community? How do we make people talk more? And the other is how do we sustain as a community without breaking it down? So I think what other anonymous communities did really well was increasing the amount of communication. Because when you're anonymous, you can talk about whatever you want. And that usually brings in a lot of people who want to talk about um, whatever is on their mind. But the reason why that doesn't sustain is it does not really provide any value to your life once it becomes fully anonymous. So what we did in between is we verified people with their work identity and that provides the community with extra level of context. And that makes the discussions much more relevant to the users who are participating in the discussions. And I think we're, we might get to talk about moderation later, but it helps us do a lot of things. One, it makes the conversations much more relevant to the users. And second, it helps with self-moderating as well, because when you have verified identities, you have the right to say, oh, that is not true. And you have the authority to do that when there's misinformation posted on these forms. And the third aspect is because you're invested in your user account, because you have verified your work email, people tend to be much more careful when they say something about someone else because they know their work identity is attached. So there's a little bit of that self-moderation factor as well. That makes sense. And uh, anonymity is such a core element to what you do at Blind. So in your experience then, why is this so important to your, your users? And outside of what we've touched on already, like how does it empower them? So we are essentially a workplace community that uses anonymity to promote more discussions. And I think empowering our users goes back to giving them freedom to be honest about work. Yeah. So I, I remember a time when I was a sales manager at my first company and I was managing about 20 sales reps. And there was this best performing sales rep, which everyone loved. I loved her as, as an employee too. And she once came up to me and said, there was a thing that you made me do three months ago that I really struggled with, which was relocating to a different location. So she got a new apartment, she got a new temporary lease. And then I made her move to another location after that, which was a terrible thing to do. But, <laughs> but um, she, she just followed my orders, basically, because I was her boss. And I thought we had a great relationship with each other. But three months later, she told me that she that made her struggle a lot. Wow. And what really struck me was it was so obvious that what I made her do was obviously something that I shouldn't make a person go through, but I had no sense of that because no one told me. And I think this is where blind comes in because when you have hierarchies and work relationships and professional facade, 
you can't be truly yourself. And there are things that are left unsaid. So what we essentially do is we let these unheard voices and unsaid sentiments be heard through our forms. I love that description of it, uh, the unheard sentiments. So look, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the dangers of anonymity a little later in the interview, but I'm, I'm, I'm really captivated by the idea of harnessing the power of it as well. So how do you think that this anonymity or even the transparency that Blind offers and, and other organizations uh, similar can support positive change within the tech industry? So for example, how might it support something as important as diversity and inclusion? I think the way we have thought about diversity and inclusion is access to information. When we first started operating Blind, one of the goals of the community was to bring out as much information as possible to these forums so it's accessible to anyone who wants to access it. And I'm actually one of the beneficiaries of it of them because I'm an immigrant to the United States as well. When I first landed here, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any network. I was just desperate to meet anyone who works at tech companies because I had to promote Blind to the tech industry here. And if I had something like Blind, I would have benefited so much because I could have just posted and I I could have found out so much information about tech industry and what people think and what to do in terms of getting into their minds. And I think there are a lot of minorities and immigrants and many people who are not fortunate enough to have those network within the tech industry. So if you didn't go to the right school, if you are not from the right neighborhood, you might not have anyone to ask about your interview advice or salary information. What we essentially do is we promote those kind of behavior where people verified employees of these large tech firms or other companies come in and share information about their career, whether it be salary or company culture that empowers other people's informed decisions. And that doesn't stop within some kind of a network that people have. It it is public. So if you have an email, you can sign up. If you don't have a work email, you cannot write content, but you can read all the content. So giving access to this information, I believe, is the first step to promoting diversity because it's going to help them make better decisions. Yeah, that makes sense. It kind of lifts the curtain for people to to talk more openly about salary expectations and the like. One charge, Kim, that is often leveled at Silicon Valley as a whole is that it can be a bit homogenous in ideas. Do you think or do you see on your blind forums that coming across? And do you think there is a need to open a dialogue there? And is that something that you could do? So I think Silicon Valley has a very open and transparent culture in general. Mm -hmm. But what I see more and more recently is that there are some amount of people who are actually hesitant to express themselves because they don't want to be judged from their Mm -hmm. peers or even canceled at at these companies or cultures. So I think when you want to create a diverse culture, that of course does not mean facilitating hatred or uh, racism or anything like that. But you got to understand that people's thoughts are in a spectrum. It's not zero or one. Mm 
Sure. So I think the first step to driving people to a better culture is actually understanding where people are and where people sit in within the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I think one more interesting point that I found while running blind is that a lot of times political opinions or the ideas come from mm-hmm. personal experiences and people don't really talk about that outside of these anonymous forms. Okay. So people talk about agendas or their opinions, but they don't talk about why they are having those agendas or opinions. So one of the things that I found is when people talk about their personal experience, for example, if I'm an immigrant who struggled to get a visa in the United States and became a U.S. citizen, I would have a totally different opinion on the visa issue than a person who was born and raised in the United States in the, in the Midwest. No doubt. But hearing your experience might change their mind. Yeah, exactly. So how I put it is context. If you have context about people, it actually helps you rise above these kind of controversies because now you're understanding people. You're not understanding like political controversies here. And by having that, that sort of cloak of anonymity where people are unafraid to share the, those stories, I guess, really helps in a work context. So, Kim, we've spoken quite a bit about the benefits for individual contributors, I guess. What about for yourselves and other companies? Like, what's the business model behind Blind? Um, is there not always going to be a tension between trying to monetize the app or the platform and then users feeling that it's a, a safe space for them to comment? So the value proposition to our users or the people who are using Blind and the, the companies of where these um, employees work is we want to be the ally to the employees and advisor to the company. So ally to the employee means that we're going to keep on providing a platform where employees or workers can come in and be honest about their work, talk about career-related information, give each other career advice, and discover new opportunities in their career. And what that does to the company is they now have a touch point, extra touch point on accessing these people. So if we could help companies meet these top candidates at the right moment through our platform, we believe that's going to be a great business model, which is connected to recruiting. Because people come in to blind with so much intention to find out information about work, if Mm -hmm. companies present them at the right moment, I think that's going to be a really powerful business model for us. And the second aspect is there are millions of dialogues that happen within Blind that talks about workplace sentiments. And we've started surveying these people on how they feel about their workplaces. We recently released the employee NPS score rankings of the companies and Square ranked number one. And We can benchmark these rankings and scores between companies because we have the ability to survey employees without the company's consent. Sure. And I think that's actually a good thing for the companies because these kind of information weren't accessible anywhere else before. And now we're getting the honest sentiment from the employees and presenting to the company. And I think that's going to be our next big business model as well. And presumably then for your users, there's implicit agreement with yourself that there would never be any passing on of information to those companies 
of who had ranked them where. Yes, of course. So one of the things that we really focused on from the start of this product is the best way to create an anonymous platform is make the users anonymous to us. So okay. we, we don't have any information to identify the users, even ourselves. And that, is, that has remained the same ever since the start of Blind. Gotcha. That makes sense. Just for anyone listening who mightn't have been clear on that point, I think it is, it's, it's really useful to get that across. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode 1 is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that all businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise, old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service, and it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right? And see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. So let's move on then and chat a bit more about anonymity. You know, I think we're living in a world now where anonymous accounts on social media are kind of, they're sort of increasingly seen as a part of a dangerous trend towards misinformation, which I think in many cases is fair enough. But how do you mitigate against that potential for toxicity on your own forums? Yeah, I think in a world that we live in, there's not going to be a forum that's perfectly non-toxic And there's always going to be people who post bad content. But I do think we are doing a better job than other platforms because when when misinformation is posted on our platform, we have a ton of other people who can validate this information or correct this information because work identities of these people are verified. And we've seen that happen a lot. So when, uh, let's say, a Microsoft employee comes on board and talks something about their boss or their director, we've seen a lot of times people come back and say, hey, you're wrong. I I know this person. That is not true. And we've also seen cases where people post information about their company and it gets flagged down immediately because it's misinformation or it's an attack against an individual. So we try to promote that behavior a lot within our platform and we encourage our users to self-moderate the content when it gets posted and they feel it's inappropriate. But there is a point, presumably, where Blind would step in. I mean, I know I've seen you on LinkedIn step in to apologize to a woman who, who shared a post that had been kind of not so secretly written about herself. 
Yeah, definitely. So the, the post you specifically mentioned was um, flagged down within two hours. And I, I felt it was really unfortunate that she saw it and she was hurt by it, not necessarily because it was posted on LinkedIn. So yeah, we are always paying attention to posts that might hurt people or include hate. And th- there is no way we are promoting those kind of behavior on our platform. And we're going to keep on doing that as long as we stand. Of course. So for those listening who might be coming from a leadership perspective rather than an employee perspective, is there a risk to companies that, you know, that they might feel exposed by their employees operating on blind? First of all, I think companies should realize that the way people make decisions are always changing. Mm-hmm. So when in the 1920s, for example, when companies were hiring people, they would post job ads and this just talk about how great their culture is, how great their company is. And people would come to you looking at the job ads. And after Grassdoor came out, people started writing reviews about companies. And um, now many people rely on Glassdoor to make career-related decisions. And I think we're just the next version of that. And it is surprisingly similar to what happened to the uh, consumer product industry because there was ads and there were reviews. And now these kind of product-related decisions lives on these networks of people such as Facebook, Twitter, or Reddit. And we are the workplace version of that. So now people come to blind to make career-related decisions. And when you look at how companies utilize social networks right now, they think of it as an opportunity. Of course, there's a risk, but there are a lot of companies who have gotten so much value from utilizing these networks. And I think companies should do the same for Blind and any other platform out there that creates networks of people who talk about work. That makes sense. So to harness the power of it and the information that it gives you rather than fearing it. So just to move on a little bit, I guess, over the years, you've been called upon to comment on everything from interpersonal romantic relationships in the workplace to remote working trends. What do you think from what you're seeing on Blind at the moment, what's front of mind for tech workers in September 2020? If I were a tech worker in a typical tech company right now, Mm-hmm. This is what I experienced from March. So in March, my company tells me that I need to work from home until June that year. And then I see my coworkers and peers being laid off left and right. And then the murder of George Floyd happens and the Black Lives Matter movement happens. And then your company tells you, you got to work from home until the end of the year. And then you see more layoffs coming. And then you see the administration changing policies about your visa status. And then there's another announcement from your company saying that you need to work from home until June next year or July next year. So uh, what this story tells you is there's been so much uncertainty. And I think that that has been the underlying status of everyone in the tech industry right now. And uncertainty gives you mental stress. And I think a lot of people are burned out right now from all these events that are happening within the tech industry right now. And I don't think this is going to end soon. And we say that things are going to go back to normal, which means that the current status is abnormal. 
And this abnormal status is going to go on for another year, at least from what I see. So when we survey our users about their mental health, we see increased level of burnout, increased level of loneliness. And I think the uh, sentiment on the remote work itself is kind of misrepresented in the press as well. Because yes, there's a lot of people who enjoy remote working and who can work remotely forever. But I still think majority of the people need to come back to the office at some point. And the companies know and the workers know better that they, they need to be in the office at least one or two times per week. And no one knows when that's going to happen. So, and that's giving people a lot of stress because it was the work from home situation is involuntary. It's not a voluntary decision by these people. That's really interesting that you would observe that difference between what is reported in the media and what you're actually seeing employees say. So for you then, burnout is kind of the key issue that companies should be watching. Yeah, and I think companies are actually doing a great job recognizing employee burnout. They're not necessarily completely taking care of it or fixing it, but I think companies like Google have implemented policies like temporary holidays. There are companies that gave out allowances to spend budget on working from home. And I think a lot of tech companies especially have been really empathetic to their employees. And when we survey our users, we see that more than 80% of the tech employees in general think their employers have been empathetic to them during this coronavirus pandemic. That's interesting um, and great to see um, that the empathy is, is performing well. So before we let you go, if you had to make one prediction about where anonymity as a tool might be useful over the next year or two, considering how fast-paced the world is at the moment, where do you think that impact will be most important? I think what the pandemic has done is it's accelerating all the changes that are happening in the workplace. And what changes mean to the companies is that they need to make structural changes within their organizations. And how that affects individuals is they might face changes within their job security or their positions or the the places where they work. So I feel like the uncertainty of job security or what has been put as default has is going to change a lot over time. And this is a time when people need to help out each other much more than before. And I think what anonymity does, the power of, of anonymity is that because people don't come in with an, their agenda to become famous or anything, they can bring out the true good in themselves and actually help out each other through these anonymous forms. So in the past few months, there were so many layoffs that I couldn't even remember all of them. But we've seen the same amount of support from our community helping lending these people a hand, saying that I, would, I will give you a referral. If you need any advice on an interview, I will help you. So. I just foresee more of that happening and we're going to try our best to facilitate that happen more within the community using the power of anonymity. Amazing. So it's, it's anonymity empowering empathy, essentially, whether that's coming on an individual level or on a company level. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Well, that's, that's certainly very heartwarming to hear. So second last question. <laughs> yeah, um, sure, sure. One thing we do like to ask guests on Inside Intercom is whether there's an individual from their discipline who inspires them or that they aspire to. Is there anyone that comes to mind? Yeah. When I was first working at 
Timon, the e-commerce company, there was a book called Delivering Happiness written by Tony Shea. And he's the founder of Zappos. And the, the book co- talks about how a company can become profitable while maintaining that passionate culture and delivering happiness to your employees delivers happiness to your customers. After founding a company, I just found out that it's an extremely hard thing to do to deliver happiness to your employees, especially. <laughs> and I just look up to him a lot, being an Asian founder in the United States and creating that culture. And I've always had um, wanted to meet him in person and ask him a lot of questions about how to build that culture within the company. And yeah, I, if there is one person that I um, really look up to, it'd be him. Nice one. And before we let you go, where can people keep up with you and your work? I usually post about my work and what's going on on Blind on my LinkedIn. So feel free to add me on linkedin.com slash Kyum Kim, K-Y-U-M-K-I-M. Well, listen, Kyum, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you again today. Thanks so much for joining us on Inside Intercom. Thanks for having me, Dee. It was a great pleasure to have a discussion with you today. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Kyum Kim. If you did, we'd love you to give us a review. It helps like-minded people like you find their way to our content. We'll be back a little early next week with a very special episode featuring Brian Halligan of HubSpot in conversation with our own Shane Murphy Reuter. We'll be sharing that next Tuesday to coincide with Inbound 2020. We hope you'll join us. This is Inside Intercom.